Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Arsblog Arscast right here on arsblog.com. Hope you're well. We've got a busy show for you because, well, lots has happened and there is lots to happen this weekend with an FA Cup game against Middlesbrough on Sunday. You might remember Middlesbrough as the smashers, obliterators of Manchester City in the last round. So they'll be coming to our place full of confidence and belief and with absolutely no pressure on them as well. The underdog thing, as we know, in the FA Cup can be quite a powerful force aphrodisiac no aphrodisiac is the wrong word but they will be coming with nothing to lose and that often makes for a really good cup tie and not only that they're top of the championship top and Leicester are bottom of the Premier League now I know you can't do this but if you were to make one gigantic league table out of all the four top leagues there would be only one place between them course i know you can't do that but if you could there would be only one place and we had our struggles against leicester in midweek we bounced back from the north london derby defeat to take three points very welcome thank you very much but it was far far from convincing in terms of our performance in terms of uh, the football that we allowed leicester to play in terms of the chances they had honestly if they had a goal scorer in that team they wouldn't be bottom of the league Uh, And I know that's counterintuitive because they are bottom of the league and that's because they don't really have a goal scorer. But they did make the chances. wasn't as if they were speculative efforts from miles out. There were some really, really good chances there. And they were bad misses, more than anything to do with our defending, keeping them out. So who knows what kind of a game we're going to get, but we will have a Borough perspective on that from one of our guests. And from our other guests, we'll look at it from an Arsenal point of view, maybe some of the changes that the manager might make in terms of his team. Can he rotate as much as he might like? Maybe the performance against Leicester City is an indication that too many changes might spoil the mixed metaphor. You know? Ideally, you'd like to be able to make a few changes, but we'll we'll discuss that uh, in light of further injuries and what have you um, with our guest in, in a little while. The other thing that went on this week, of course, was the new TV deal. That's great, isn't it? Fantastic. Sky and BT have spent an absolute fortune to ensure that they get to keep the rights to show Premier League football in the UK. And bear in mind that this is only the UK. This money, this £5.1 billion that they're going to spend allows them to show football in the UK. 
When you add on the international TV deals, which I'm sure over the coming years, given the increased marketing and popularity of the Premier League abroad, the amount of money that's going to come into football clubs over the next decade, over the next five, ten years, is just incredible. Absolutely incredible. And already we've seen a lot of talk about how this money should be used to make football cheaper and more affordable to fans. And that makes perfect sense. You'd like to think that given the extra income that they're getting from TV, given the extra profile that they get from being on TV, the more doors it opens from a marketing and sponsorship and partnership perspective, not just for big clubs but for all the clubs, the increased revenue, you'd like to think that that would make football and football clubs say it should be easier and cheaper for our fans to come to the stadium and watch the games. But that won't happen. Because when has a ticket price or when have ticket prices ever, ever gone down? The price of stuff like this just doesn't go down. It won't. What will happen is that money will make players and agents richer and that will in turn drive clubs to keep ticket prices at the same level that they are and increase them because they'll say look at the uh, look at the amount it's costing us now football fans they want to see the best players in the world they want the best players we've got to pay the best wages if we want to attract the best players we've got to pay big transfer fees Big transfer fees mean bigger wages. That if you buy a player for £15 million, you've got to pay him £15 million player wages. But the player might not necessarily be worth £15 million. It's just that because of the increased revenue, because of the increased money that clubs have at their disposal, they're going to pay whatever it takes to get players. The market will drive the price of players up, therefore driving the price of wages up, therefore ensuring that ticket prices will not come down. There might be some schemes, perhaps. I think Arsenal have done things, uh, had some um, bits and pieces in place. For example, the £10 tickets for under-16s or for kids for the Capital One Cup. Brilliant, because you need to get the next generations of fans into your stadium. You need to make it affordable for them to go. You need to make it affordable for parents to be able to take their kids to football. So maybe if we don't see ticket prices going down, maybe that scheme could be extended to the FA Cup when we have home games in the FA Cup. Do we really need the gate revenue from one or two FA Cup games at home to keep the club afloat? Or could that be used as a way of getting younger fans in? making games more affordable to people who can't go week in, week out. In an ideal world, you'd say, absolutely, yes, that would be a brilliant idea. But then I think we forget that what we think are good ideas and right ideas and fair ideas are often very different from what football clubs think. Arsenal, for example... The, uh, the summer that we got a brand new big sponsorship deal from Emirates, a new deal from Puma, put up ticket prices 3%. And there was a big TV deal that summer too. So, realistically, are we going to see any benefit for fans? Will there be any more pressure other than a few trite tweets from someone like Gary Lineker, who said, this should be made more affordable to fans? And everyone went, brilliant, Gary Lineker said that. But really, what difference does it make? It's kind of like saying 
Everyone should treat each other with respect and dignity and manners. Everyone should be treated equally. People shouldn't kill each other. Extreme examples, but it's just a blindingly obvious truth. But all the shit still goes on. And I think that's going to be the case with this. There'll just be more money for the people who make all the money. And for the rest of us, it will make very, very little difference indeed. I don't see any benefit to fans, certainly in their pockets. Certain teams might be able to pay more for certain players and improve, and who knows, from that point of view, maybe. But when it comes to ticket prices, when it comes to the game becoming more affordable, I don't see it. The other thing you have to remember as well is that the TV companies, in order to make the money to pay for those rights, need your subscriptions. Likely that subscription charges are going to increase as well. I know they make money from advertising and sponsorships and all that kind of stuff, but they need people to pay for their service. The more they pay to show the stuff, the more expensive it's going to be for us to pay for it to watch it. And so it goes until at some point it all just explodes into who knows where and why and what and how. So look, we'll discuss this a little bit more with our second guest this evening. But first, I'm delighted to welcome to the show to get a perspective on this Sunday's game against Middlesbrough. A big Middlesbrough fan, presenter with BN Sport, former presenter at Real Madrid TV. It's Kay Murray. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. I think when this draw was made, a lot of Arsenal fans looked at it and went, great because we'd avoided Liverpool, avoided Manchester United. You have a team that's in a lower division. But, but looking at it now... Borough is sitting top of the championship. We struggled against bottom of the table Leicester on Tuesday. And your form coming into this game is is absolutely fantastic. Is confidence high? It, it is high, and our assistant manager was speaking just yesterday. Uh, Steve Agnew, he says we're going there full of confidence and the belief that we are capable of winning. Now, Karanka had played it down a little bit, obviously saying he's co- he's concentrating on promotion, as you'd expect. Mm. But then you look at the players that he dropped against Blackpool, and he dropped some of our best players. Now, he is known for rotating, but the fact that some of the best players were rested tells you that he's actually probably taking this more seriously than he's letting on. Uh, you mentioned our form as well it's six wins on the trot for us and the the best thing about Middlesbrough right now is the defense is just Mm. incredible we've only conceded 20 goals in 30 games so that's where they're really strong at the moment but good news for you guys is that we've been hit a little bit in the defensive area Uh, we've got a few injuries and there's a few question marks over some players well yeah I won't won't say fingers crossed but um, we'll take any (laughs) little advantage we can get it's amazing but uh, uh, the last 10 games you've only conceded three goals is that um, how much of that is down to Karanka and the work that he's doing and and what kind of a job has he done obviously to get you top of the championship is amazing Um, but since since he's come in, how much has he changed things and the way that the club plays plays the game? He's changed it completely. And I think that the fact that the defence are doing so well, it has to be directly related to the fact that he was a defender himself. Mm. A defender at the highest level as well, obviously, playing for Athletic Bilbao and Real Madrid. But he was very classy defender, very efficient. He read the game well. And so I think that in his coaching uh, sessions, he'll definitely be able to, to, to give his tips and what he knows to his defenders. With the style of football they're playing, it's been brilliant to watch. And there were shades of it 
it even when he'd first come in. I, I generally get to Boxing Day football games when I go home for Christmas for Middlesbrough. <laughs> and um, I remember thinking, I'm not used to seeing us play like this. You know, it's pressure from the forwards. We're very strong in the counter-attack. Uh, more possession from the, from the team, but not just for the sake of it. So it's... Uh, very pacey team as well so there's a lot going well there but the other thing that he's really managed to do uh, with the players is the team spirit it's absolutely incredible they're so united and that's all they keep talking about and I think the fact that he is a young manager and he has worked under the likes of Jose Mourinho and then in Spain and has won the Champions League himself as a player I think that's that kind of is a great example for our players in the team. And he says that he's taken on quite a lot of Mourinho's uh, tactics with the players as a coach. So that mm. he actually says that, you know, number one is being honest with his players. And the fact that the rotate, he's rotating them so much and they're all still so happy because it's a very deep squad, which I'm also not used to saying with our <laughs> team. And um, I think that's really helping too. But I, even myself, I have to say, I, I didn't know it would be as good as it has been. I was looking, just doing a bit of reading on him today and, and the fact that he, like you say, has got a great pedigree as a player at Real Madrid, Athletic Bilbao, uh, coached for a long time in his career by Yopankes, uh, worked under... Jose Mourinho and he spoke actually in, in the piece that I read about um, at the time there were guys in the in the Real Madrid team who were obviously superstars you had your Sadors and, and these guys in the team but he spoke about his relationship with Steve McManaman and that, that he was aware that despite having these stars in the team that there were guys like him that were absolutely needed and, and perhaps that's uh, something that he can bring to, to this Borough team as well. Yeah, I think, I think it definitely is. And, and that's the great thing because there are players of all different ages. And so you do see that, you know, with our forward, you have Kike, who's like obviously been grinding it out in the, in, with Real Murcia for, for the most part. And then he comes to Middlesbrough. And then you have the young whippersnapper like Patrick Bamford. And he's been able to use one or the other of them and, and keep them happy. But as you said, that's very much who he is as well, is that but in his time, you had all these Galacticos. And, and players who were out all the time and players who were in the public eye so much. But he was quite happy to take that back seat and, and to not be in the public eye. And, and I think he's very much like that now. Uh, the other thing I've got to say, which is absolutely brilliant, because I obviously know him from working at Real Madrid, so it was great. I went down to see him on my first game at Middlesbrough since he was in charge and say hello. And he was so happy to hear someone speak Spanish at the time because <laughs> God knows what it must be like here in a Middlesbrough accent for the first time. And he, he was... He actually actually said you know I cannot believe like you're allowed to lose here and they'll still be okay with you obviously I don't want us to lose now but this was at the beginning sure. of it and um, he said the fans are amazing and it's just amazing even walking down the street how people stop you and they're so kind to you so I think it's kind of a mutual thing in that he actually really loves the club and the town and, and everything around it the fans as much as we're loving what he's doing and with a, with a chairman like Steve Gibson he's been allowed to do what he wants to do and he's been allowed to bring the players in that he wants to bring in mm, It's interesting is it because the spotlight and the pressure when you're at Real Madrid, for example, and we've seen it even with Gareth Bale recently that he's getting a little bit of a hard time despite the fact he's been uh, outstanding for them. So to, to come from that pressure pot environment into somewhere kind of on uh, under the radar a little bit as well, it's a really big culture change and probably for a young manager, a nice way of, of getting into your first big job. 
Yeah, definitely. He's been linked with other people now as well. But you say, you know, we're staying out of the public eye, but it seems to be that in England they do not care about us and it's not even a chip on our shoulder anymore. <laughs> You're like, right, we're top of the league, guys, now. You've got to start taking notice. But you know what? Maybe that's helping us. Yeah. So I do understand those people who say that if we don't uh, get the result that they'd want against Arsenal, that it would help because, you know, it is the last stage now. I think 16 games left in the Championship to play and they're going to be hard as well. Yeah. Um, not so much at home we've got a, a, a decent run of home games but away from home against top opponents that's going to be tough so I see both sides of the argument but then to get a result at Arsenal would be amazing because obviously with a team spirit like it already is it's only going to make them believe in themselves even more than they already do what was the expectation at the beginning of this season um, obviously uh, you're in a fantastic place now heading into the final stretch of the season but what were was was automatic promotion was it playoffs what was what was the thinking I think if everybody is honest, it was playoffs. Like when he first came in in the beginning, he picked the, he picked us up in a bit of a difficult uh, stage. And I said uh, right, right at the beginning, because the local press were ringing me to ask me what I knew about him. And I said, like, first of all, let him do what he'll do for the rest and the remainder of this season and don't expect the playoffs. But we actually came close at one stage. So then I think the playoffs really, if, I, if I'm honest, and I remember talking to other fans as well, I think we were all saying, OK, we'd better make the playoffs this year. And then as the as the kind of season started to go on, it's like, wow. And now it's that scary feeling because <laughs> I remember in 98, you know, we, we, we were runners-up and we went up automatically. And I don't know if, like, it's so... I, I trust us in the playoffs with how well we're playing, but I just I don't want it to have to be that. I feel that with everything that, that they've done so far, that they deserve to take the automatic route. But I think the expectations, to answer your question, was probably the playoffs. Mm. In the previous round, you beat Manchester City which is a, a, a fantastic result and you know we've been there recently too um, but the the approach perhaps that, that City had to that game wasn't as good as it should have been they went off midweek to um, the Middle East and played a played a friendly do you think they underestimated you a bit? I think they might well have underestimated us. I, I think that basically now Pellegrini's just come out like two weeks later saying that he didn't like the way we played and our tactics, how were they ever going to get a result out of it? But I don't like to hear that. You know, it's like, well, don't bring it up now. And you've got to do what you've got to do to win, especially when you're playing, you know, the, the title holders from the Premier League. Um, it's been a big famous giant killing for us. So I don't even know if we'd have expected that. But I think the lads did because... There was a halftime team talk with Aita Karanka, and he told the players even then, he said, look, the only chances they've had are from mistakes that we've made. So all you've got to do in the second half is not make those mistakes again, mm. and we're going to be able to shut them out. And even some of the lads in the team were saying, we knew we could keep a clean sheet there. We know how strong we are in defence. So when you already go into it with that belief, you, you know, you can see and they dug in for such long periods in that game, and they dealt with everything that the first half brought to them. But, you know, it wasn't even the most beautiful borough that we've seen this season but that win was so huge for us and it's one that we'll remember forever now and, and I think that's what matters sometimes because there's so many big teams and it's so you know you have to win and, and they don't remember these wins so much but it's the smallest things like that which are huge for us you know yeah and that obviously, we did that. obviously it, it provides a huge amount of belief going into the game against Arsenal, but also for the rest of the, the, the league campaign. So what is the approach going to be on Sunday? Are, are Borough going to soak up the pressure and hit Arsenal, try and hit Arsenal on the break? How, how are they going to go into this one? 
I have no idea what they're going to do. I've even been like trying to, to get my idea. I think first, they're going to have, obviously have to work out what, what defence they're going to put out because one of our best defenders, Daniel Ayala, he limped off in the game uh, against Blackpool. He's going to be sidelined for three to four weeks. So now you've got the other the other kind of dilemma for Karanka in that is he going to play Jonathan Woodgate who scored and it was his first start since August in the last game mm. uh, and who has that experience against Premier League clubs or are you going to recall Kenneth Amera who's been fantastic on loan from Chelsea for us uh, and partner him or will Ben Gibson get dropped he has to work out what he's going to do there um, I think that I think that maybe they will try and they're going to have to soak up the pressure because of the way you guys play. Mm. I think that it could be that, you know, and, and not to be too too overconfident and not to make any early mistakes because that's what could be more difficult. They did say, though, that they are disappointed that it is Arsenal. Obviously, it's brilliant for us, the fans, but with the run they had and the fact that they'd put Man City out, it felt like, what, this is our reward now to get the hold <laughs> as Arsenal. Thanks very much, you know, but I, I, one of the really nice things to, to hear, though, is that Aita Karanka says that it, it's fantastic for him to come up against a, a coach like Arsene Wenger and mm. he says that it's coaches like him he wants to learn from and he said you know I don't know him but these are the people who've been at the top for such a long time that these are the people that we need to see what their approach is when they're dealing with players as a manager um, he's looking forward to seeing Mazu Azil as well he said that he can be one of the best in the world um, and he said that he needs a manager who puts puts pressure on him is always 100% behind him and that's how you guys are going to get the best out of our zeal but um, I, I just don't know what to expect from us because you know we've had a few games lately that are really scrappy and we've really had to grind out the win and they're willing to do that so it could well be that all right. Well, we'll see. And, uh, you know, hopefully he can set himself against the best of managers in the Premier League next season. I won't yeah. necessarily wish you good luck for Sunday, but I do thank you very <laughs> much indeed for your time. Thanks so much, Andrew. I just have to leave by telling you one last thing is Go that the six dry trains, they call them, from uh, King's Cross back up to Newcastle after the game from 6.30 to 10 at night so there's no alcohol allowed after the game so if it is a win or a victory or even if they need uh, alcohol for commiserations it's not going to be served on the plane so they're going to have to sneak it on yeah plastic bags under the coats and everything <laughs> they're used to that they're from Middlesbrough <laughs> Kay Murray thank you very much indeed no worries thank you so much thank you very much indeed to Kay you can find her on Twitter at KL Murray at KL Murray and who knows we might see Borough in the Premier League next season hopefully though we won't see Borough in the FA Cup next week sorry Kay you know how it goes um, if you did hear some weird noises in the opening part of the show. My apologies. That was a hard drive doing stuff on my desk. And when I was listening back, I was going, what? what's that noise? In there? Oh. And then I realized what it was. And I thought to myself, should I re-record that? To make the sound pristine, should I just go back and do it all again? And then I thought, fuck that. Nah, not going to do it. So just think of it as, as texture, a bit of Background, ambience, atmosphere, whatever you'd like to, whatever you'd like to call it. Uh, remember last week I was telling you about emails that I was getting for Andrew Mangans that aren't me. More of them this week. More of them. One of them was a, a thing to follow some U.S. politician somewhere. Another one was a, what seemed to be um, important information about financial years and investments and twenty-one DD forms, whatever they are. And this guy has sent me loads of information about this this Andrew Mangan, including his salary. Oh, this, how are they getting this so wrong? 
And I write back and I say, this is not, I am not the Andrew Mangan you are looking for. Doing my best. Alec Guinness from Star Wars. They don't listen to me. They never reply. I'm wondering, is it just a vast trick somehow? But anyway, now I know what this Andrew Mangan earns. And where he works, I could assume his identity. I could become Andrew Mangan, but not the Andrew Mangan that I am. Would I be the world's first stereo human? I don't know. Maybe I should try it and find out. I'll keep you updated on all the latest in the world of Andrew Mangan emails. But now, to discuss bits and pieces that have gone on this week and all the rest of the waffle, I'm joined by Julian H. from Gingers for Limpar. Hello there. Hi. You and Arsene Wenger have a lot in common. <laughs> you're, you're tall, kind of got that curly hair thing going on, and you both do the economics, right? Right. This is the first time I've heard this. Yeah, go on. <laughs> So based on that, the new TV deal that came into play this week uh, and the money that's going into the game um, at that level, the increased revenue that that clubs are going to get, there's a lot of talk about ticket prices and and how things should be made fairer for fans. Do, Do you see fans realistically getting any benefit from this TV deal in terms of how football is sold to them, both by clubs and the uh, the broadcasters? I think there's, um, I think especially in in, in the, this day and age that you have to distinguish between fans. Um, I mean, typically when we say that, at least traditionally, we think of people going to matches. But mm. we obviously live in a world now where, where the majority of supporters for, for top flight teams, at least, um, actually don't. Um, and, and it's kind of funny. And I think this is where a lot of the tension comes because you get um, you get people like myself who, who especially being sort of... Uh, miserable old types kind of don't really see going to a game as that big a thing, <laughs> and then we sort of it's almost kind of a habit. Um, certainly, for some people, a lot a lot more than than me. I don't um, by any means go to um, every home game or every away game, but but some people do, and and, and for them it's it's. Um, I mean, I can't speak for them, but it's it's kind of just a, a way of life. It's just a very normal thing, and um, whereas uh, for, for a huge number of people, it's actually something very special if if you do get to go maybe even only once um, or, or just a handful of times and um, there is a difference like there's been there was criticism um, of, of of what the Premier League do interestingly by Virgin Media um, uh, which uh, ha- hasn't been talked about so much but their argument interestingly is that there aren't enough games on TV um, which is not something with a, a lot of match going fans would, would vehemently disagree with given mm. how, how much um, people are inconvenienced by kickoff times but then for people who watch on TV that that is an argument that in, in a way the more games that are on the more times uh, you, you can watch your team and some other teams um, etc and the Premier League's argument back is that they actually are protecting kind of both sides which which some people will scoff at I know um, but that they say that they're they're you know that they're putting games on TV so, so the, for, for those kind of fans, but they're also not doing too much so that people who go to games don't get too inconvenienced. Um, I know that this is a little bit of a tangent, but I mean, to, to sort of answer your question more specifically, I, I think in terms of fans who, who go to the games, um, I, I don't think there's any benefit 
at all in terms of ticket prices. Um, I think they're simply determined by the, the regular factors such as supply and demand, um, the, 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 the club, like what the club wants to do, like the club's relationship with its fans. Like you've got sort of notorious examples like at Man United where uh, you get your credit card charged for, for, for games that were, you know, that you have to go to, to to stay a season ticket holder and that kind of thing. Um, and clearly they don't have a very close relationship with their fans. And admittedly, some of the clubs have a closer relationship, so, so they'll be, they're not going to sting their fans as much, even when demand is very high. Um, but I think those are the, these are all the factors that have always been in play and, and always will be in play. And um, I, I, I don't think that the TV deal really... Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Whatsoever to that, the clubs, clubs, you know, decide themselves how much they're going to push for, you know, to get money out of their match attending fans, and and it's not really a matter of whether they need to do that or not, depending on what they're getting from from TV or, or commercial revenues. Um, in terms of um, in, in terms of people fans who watch on TV, I mean, I think it does benefit them. There's slightly more games, um, there are a different range of times, and I think generally uh, Sky quite good at covering football as well and I think BT are quite good as well whereas typically um, I know you have your own thoughts on Michael Owen but um, <laughs> like I mean typically the rival so-called rival broadcasters to Sky have been terrible in their coverage um, I mean, the, the kind of pundits on ESPN and Satanta and stuff. I went on Satanta, I used to do it, which kind of speaks for itself. The quality wasn't very high. Um, and and BT and, and Sky are quite good. And I think there is also an argument, like some people will probably be shouting at, uh, when I say this, it's, it's not a massively popular opinion, but the, the amount of money going into the going into the Premier League does improve Premier League clubs um, compared to clubs in other in, in other divisions, either lower down in England or, or more importantly in other countries. Um, I mean, if it doesn't, then it's the club's fault yeah. for, for for pissing the money away because it's it's money talks in football, and and the, I mean it's incredible. Like if you look at 
I know the transfer window we've just had was very, very quiet, but it's mid-season mid transfer window, so a bit strange. If you look at last summer, the Premier League's transfer spending is, is astonishing. It was over half Spain. It was, it, was, it was more than Italy, Germany, and France added together. Um, and really, this, the amount of money that the Premier League is managing to pull in, um, it, does, it pushes up wages, um, it pushes up transfer spending, but that should and does attract better and better players and, and, and that means I suppose there is a, some benefit to fans because our clubs you know they should be better the, the, the yeah. quality of football should be better and then our performances in Europe should, should be better as well in, th in theory <laughs> in theory but does it does it not just mean that because uh, clubs have more money that they're going to spend more on players at more or less the same level well, you'd, you'd think that being able to attract higher wages means that, that essentially that the better players in, in Europe and, and then in the world as well would, would be pulled towards your division. And if they um, and the, the ones that, that don't make it will filter down to other divisions. I mean, we've seen this to some extent with, with Serie A in the last couple of years where lots of, I mean, it's almost bizarre I suppose for people of, of our generation to, mm. to see so many English league rejects filtering. I mean, it's one thing to say Juvenio who, who's, who's done well over there, but I mean, you look, you look at some other players, it, it's just been incredible. I mean, Revel Morrison's the latest one who is very talented, but obviously has has issues. Um, but but it's, it's, it's incredible that, I mean, when you look at like Adel Tarat and players like who really are struggling over here to, I'm putting that mildly um, going and playing um, uh, I mean I don't know it's, it's, it's often baffling looking at looking at the players that teams like like Milan um, field now when when, we, when I was younger it was Van Basten Hullet etc etc and, and I remember when we played them in what was it it was 95 wasn't it mm. the Super Cup and, and I remember we lost 2-0 over two legs and I, I almost considered that a victory I was really proud of it <laughs> um, in, in the playground at school and, and, and I think I think the money has to have that effect um, maybe you know not always immediately but as it builds up and up and up um, it, it, it should um, it it should um, lean towards that. But I have to say as well that like, there's something the Premier League does lots and lots of things wrong. Don't, don't you know? I'll, I'll be clear about that. And this time last year, the, the way um, fans were treated when we were away at Hull and the re rearranging of that kickoff was absolutely appalling. Um, but the Premier League has done quite a good job of spreading the income across the league, I think. Um, and and that's so. So you've got you've got a situation where clubs like Hull actually are spending more than than Milan and, and some of the big teams in Europe. And and that means the league. Is a whole should get stronger compared to Spain and, and Germany and yeah. so on. Does, does it not mean as well, though, that the broadcasters have more influence and more sway and can do things that are more designed to suit them than to suit fans because we see kickoff times, we see Friday oh. night games, we see uh, games moved at, at very late notice um, and they already do that and having put this amount of money in that there's a certain amount of influence that they're going to have over the way that not only the fans who, who go to matches uh, watch the game, but also the fans who watch uh, on TV. And again, there's no, there doesn't seem to be any real acknowledgement 
or anything that they've done about the 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 fans who watch or want to watch every single game mm-hmm. and believe that in this day and age with the technology that we have that they should be able to watch any game they want whenever they want um I mean at some point they're going to have to they're going to have to address the elephant in the in the streaming room if you like that mm. you know I I have to say that if there was a, a an online season ticket where I could get streaming of every single game in high quality I'd pay for that don't mm. want to necessarily pay for a sky subscription but mm. sooner or later they're going to have to get with that Yeah I th- I, th- I think so I mean in in terms of the um the first point you made, I, I, I'd certainly, I'd like to see the clubs do more to stick up for for, for their for their match attending fans. Um, I mean, that's what I mean personally. I'm I'm an idealist, and I'd I'd like supporters to to own um, uh, a large chunk of their clubs. But that's something that's that and that, that simply hasn't happened. That's something that partly supporters have failed to do, and, and partly they've been prevented from doing as well. Um, and and I, th- I think. This is a key example of why that's that you know is important. Is that if that had been the case, you'd get clubs showing far more concern for their for their match attending supporters than than they currently do. And it's it's funny because it, like the narrative over the last over the last week um, in with regards to this the the, the Sky deal has so so the Premier League deal has has been kind of how pathetically powerless BT well not so much BT but more Sky has become in that they that they've been like lots of city analysts think that uh, think that Sky paid hundreds of millions of pounds, maybe more than they should have done, and then they had to. And and the the Premier League's almost almost you know you know got a, a grip on Sky, and 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 and, and Sky, Sky's not in a strong position. Like they've just paid a, a huge amount of money for these rights, like far more than most people think they should have paid. And their shares took a big hit. I'm sorry to make this all businessy, but no, you no, did ask. Um, but their shares did take a big hit the next day. They're not, and and generally so, so the way basically um, it's, it's being uh, it's being seen, which I think is fair, is that the Premier League has a huge amount of power and the broadcasters don't have that much power because they're desperately trying to get this product and they're paying more and more money in order to do it. So it's funny that we have that and then among fans we tend to, th- we, th- we think that, that yeah, the broadcasters once with all the money and all the power, and they can determine when the when the, the kickoffs are. And maybe it is a case, as you said, that they get that power because they pay so much, and so then they're able to say, "Look, come on, we've stumped up X billion. Like this, is, you know, it, it's our right." But, mm. but, but because because the broadcasters actually inherently don't have that much power when they're bidding. You know, there's a lot of broadcasters. They've, they've, there's a lot of competition. They're fighting each other, and they're paying. You know, as I say, having to pay a huge amount of money i'd like to see the clubs given that say like you, you're not the ones in control like uh you know there, there has to be some give and take mm. and i don't think the way fixtures are planned in in england is too bad when relatively compared to other countries like i know the situation in spain for, yeah. uh, is, is much worse um and i think for most of the season in england i actually think it's kind of fine um but there does tend to be this problem at the end of the season where the broadcasters want to leave it later and later because they want to find out what happens and um, so every you know every time a team you know, drops out of contention for something the chances of them being on tv are lower yeah. and they want they want they want and that seems to be what happens 
happened, for example, as I said earlier, with with, with Arsenal and Hull last season, where they, they waited so late, um, uh, and and thousands of, of fans had booked, um, you know, had, had booked trains, everything, non-refundable hotels. Um, I mean, I got a ticket off a guy who, who'd ended up because he ended up booking a whole weekend with his girlfriend in Hull, which, if anyone's been to England, it's just it's not humane. <laughs> and 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 this is and, and so just the, the shrugging off of the problem from the clubs and the Premier League as well, mm. uh, mainly I, I think is 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 pretty appalling and. I, th- I think there is. I, I don't know. Like it's all about incentives, of course. But I, I think I, I think there is a middle ground. I really can't see the problem. Like it's okay. It's not difficult. It's not easy to get to that point. But but, but you, you know there is a way of balancing both. I think. And one of those is simply um, simply giving fans decent notice. Having a min- that's what I'd like to see a minimum amount of time. And I'd like it to be quite generous. Like it's reasonable. It's seven weeks or eight weeks, something like. Okay. And people are always going to moan about about when kickoffs are, and I don't like Sundays; they're not good for me. But in a way, that's just the way it is. But the, the real harm, I think, is, is as you said, when fixtures change very late uh, for TV, and it, and it affects the fans at the games. Well, you know, um, without going back into it, because I want to move on, it, it, you know, when you talk about it financially, it sounds like football is operating in a self-perpetuating bubble in a way, financial bubble of, of Sky having to pay because they need the Premier League and the Premier League being able to put pressure on Sky. to You know, at some point, those things burst. So we'll have, we'll have to see. Um, but look, let's move on. And this Sunday, we're playing Middlesbrough in the FA Cup. And one of the, I suppose, no, it's not really a decision. I think what will happen is that Wojciech Szczesny is going to come back into the side as he is now the de facto cup goalkeeper with David Ospina. Uh, in the first team since Chesney's um, smoking antics, I guess you'd say. Mm. How do you view that situation? Has Ospina done enough to convince you that he's the right man for the job in the long term, or is Chesney going to be able to win his place back and, and keep the pressure um, on Ospina and keep him out of the team? I mean, my, my view on this has, has never changed, which is that I, I'm I'm annoyed at Chesney's antics. Um, cause I, uh, yeah, I suppose it is one position on the pitch. You don't really mind if someone smokes, then it's it's the keeper. But it's it's the na- the nature of it as well. Um, it's it's I was just kind of thinking of odd analogies and that guy in Mad Men cheats on his wife, and she was like, "Why did you have to pick someone around here? Why couldn't you have just picked someone that I didn't know about in this in New York?" And, and it's kind of why well, it's it's it, you know if you, you know, if Chesney had been caught smoking in his house uh, um, you know ten or not I don't really mind frankly it's just not just if okay, if you're going to smoke your goalkeeper it's not a massive deal but it was yeah. just the, the nature of it it's just bizarre and the, the subsequent fallout and and the, it's just strange behaviour from someone who should be taking his job incredibly seriously um, and someone who is, is supposed to be kind of growing up as well like he has. You know, courted controversy before, and 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 I like the fact that he's a character. I like the fact that he does that. But this, this is kind of really needless. If you're gonna, if you, if you're gonna sort of you know mess about, then uh, I don't know. At least at least be under uh, I don't know certain circumstances that are understandable or at least amusing or something. This just sort of came out of nowhere. Yeah. And um, but essentially, I, I'm a 
big, big fan of Chesney in terms of ability. I, I rate him higher than, uh, more highly than, than most people do. Uh, I, th I think he's by far the better keeper between the two. I'm, I'm equally not a very big fan of a spinner. I mean, it's funny how things change so quickly in football. Um, I, I just bit my, you know, bit my tongue, but it was only two weeks ago that, that there was this sort of wave of, um, of sort of endorsement for Spina because he completed the remarkable achievement of, of having a clean sheet against Aston Villa at home and people were reading out all kinds of statistics about how, how few goals he'd conceded in a run of incredibly easy games that we'd had and how Chesney had come <laughs> back and conceded two against Brighton and it's, it's meaningless as far as I'm concerned Chesney's our number one keeper and, and is, is, is our, is our long-term keeper and um, I agree with something um, Tim Stillman was saying at the beginning of the season where it's hard, it's hard to see both of them um, being Arsenal players in the long run because essentially one of them will win out and, and you know they're, 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 um, they're both at stages of their career when they should be playing first team football so I mean I, I think Chesney will work his way back into the first team and, and, and then that'll be that and unless Espina wants to uh, do a Stuart Taylor and sit on the bench for for years on years. Then then maybe he'll move on at some point. But um, but yeah, I, I I would like given that we're going to be in this this race for fourth again um, on, on the sort of final straight of the league season. I'd much rather go through that with with Chesney and goal. Mm. All right, and uh, just very quickly on on the game on Sunday against Borough. Under normal circumstances, you'd look probably at, at rotating quite a bit. But after a fairly indifferent performance against Leicester in midweek, against a team that probably aren't too much different in terms of their overall quality and who come into this game uh, in a much better run of form than, than Leicester are, can you see him changing things around a bit? I mean, there's you know a possibility, for example, to give Gabriel a game uh, at centre-half to get him eased into English football, or, or is it one of those where he's going to have to be a bit more cautious than he might like? I think he could do that. Um, I think he could bring Gabriel in, as you say, and, and, and maybe tweak things at the back, um, although we don't have huge scope to do that at, at the moment. But, but I think we'll see things there. Um, but, I mean, I mean, as you kind of alluded to, like Middlesbrough have, you know, come into this with a really quite incredible record over the certain they've won their last six, but then even mm. since Christmas they've they've been really good and are conceding hardly any goals. So, um, I mean, I thought, I thought Borough got a, a bit lucky at City. Um, I mean, they rode their luck, which is fine. It's, 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 we've seen it a million times, but we've seen that at, at home where teams come and they defend very well and then they, they look to sneak a goal either on the break or from a set piece or whatever. Um, and I'm sure Arsene knows that, that that's what Middlesbrough are going to do. Um, their manager is, you know, Mourinho's prodigy, etc., etc., and, and, and that gives a strong hint of, of how they'll play. Um, and I, I don't know, so, so to kind of answer your question, I, I think in an attacking sense, um, the manager will be aware that, that he can't he can't mess around too much up front. Like he, he's going to need um, he's going to need the kind of players who can who can make something happen. To use a cliche, and then again, we've sent our kind of second choice forwards out on loan anyway. So um, so we we don't we don't have that many options. I mean, m maybe he start act on but I, I, even that I I don't really 
really think so. Um, but uh, overall, I think he'll keep enough of the big players um, in the side in, in an attacking sense. All right. Uh, we'll leave it there. We'll keep fingers crossed for Sunday. Julian H., thank you very much. Brilliant. Thank you. You can follow Julian H. on Twitter. He's at Gingers4Limpar, where the four is a number four, at Gingers4Limpar. Normally, on a Thursday evening, uh, or late Thursday afternoon. There's a bit of a team news update from the official website. Who might be fit for the weekend? Have we picked up any knocks midweek? And we know, of course, that Aaron Ramsey has got a hamstring strain, which is going to keep him out for three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, two weeks. Who knows? Who knows? But he's definitely not going to be around for Sunday's game, as far as we can tell. Um, the bigger worry, of course, was Alexis Sanchez, who got absolutely taken out of it by Matthew Upson. And I thought that was... Quite a bad tackle, a bit reckless. I won't say Shaw Crossian, but, you know, he went in with a ferocity that he didn't necessarily need to, and that's very dangerous when you don't get the ball, which he didn't, apart from getting it by accident. Like, he swung a leg at the ball, but missed it completely, and then his standing leg got the ball as he kicked Alexis up in the air. But anyway, we're waiting to hear if Alexis is going to be fit or not. The manager said he was uh, hopeful that he would be, but... You know how these things are. It might take a day or two for the swelling and the bruising to go down before they can make a definitive judgment. So for the moment, I'm staying, you know, a bit afraid of what that tackle might have done because it was a real bone shaker. Things were swizzling around loose in his knee now. You would not be surprised in the slightest. Uh, and I do think that the performance on Tuesday and the defensive instability that we showed might influence the manager's team. I think he might have rotated a bit more um, if it hadn't been for the way that we played on Tuesday. Just looking at the fixtures very briefly, we do have more or less a full week down before we go to Crystal Palace next weekend. So it's not as if there's a midweek game to contend with. Will he start Gabriel? Who knows? Kieran Gibbs could come in at left back. Don't have a lot of options in midfield uh, with Ramsey injured. Probably too soon for Jack Wilshire. And then up front, we've got Theo Walcott, Danny Welbeck looking for a place. Chuba Akpom could start, as Julian was saying. Olivier Giroud, who knows? There's options, at least. Rosicki Kazorla in midfield. No Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, of course. He's, he's out injured. So the scope for rotation isn't as big as it might have been. And we have to be careful, of course, that we're not on the end of a, a giant killing. Not necessarily giant killing when the team is top of the championship but you know this is a team that we're expected to beat and progress to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup so we'll see um, whether or not the lack of team news on the Arsenal website this evening is indicative of anything at all I don't know they could they could just be having a really lazy day just sitting around playing office ping pong on their mini tricycles that's what they do in there I'm told but anyway, don't tell anyone. So look, we'll leave it there uh, for this week's Arscast. James and I will be here on Monday with the Arscast Extra when we'll look back at whatever it is that happens against Borough on Sunday. And I'll be with you next Friday for the Arscast regular. So until then, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye.
At 6 o'clock, this is your news with host, Bob Torpedo. Good evening, world. I'm Bob Torpedo. These are your headlines this hour. American President Miley Cyrus has declared that unless Canadian Prime Minister Bieber Snapchats her a cockpit, there will be no ceasefire between the two nations. In London, the funfair known as Jose Land, built on the site of the now defunct Chelsea Football Club, denied responsibility for a roller coaster accident which killed 42 and left hundreds injured. At a press conference, a spokesperson said, and walked out. And in Ireland, the Catholic Church has condemned plans to allow women to think for themselves as dangerous and unprecedented. We don't want them to think they're real people, said Archbishop Ray P. Bertha. But first this evening, a report from our special correspondent, Troy Harder, who looks back at the tragic and unforeseen consequences of a salary cap implemented in Premier League football almost 50 years ago. And you see that there? That's the building I used to own in New York. On the Upper East Side, had a grave view of the park, so it is a grave view. And uh, any medals you can show me? Medals? No, we, we never won anything. I'm in the house of Alf Tiddlepud, an ex-football player who made his Premier League debut in 2019 for Halifax Town. Halifax made it to the top flight, having been bought by the Saudi royal family just four years earlier. Alf made his debut as a journeyman centre-half, but continued to play all the way through until 2040. But in 2038, the salary cap was introduced to Premier League football in response to the ever-increasing price of match tickets due to the influx of television money. It was thought back then that by keeping wages lower, ticket prices might stabilise. The average price of a Premier League ticket in 2038 was £3,000. But nobody, nobody stopped to think about how it would affect the players. And Alf Tiddlepud is a case in point. Oh, there were tough times, lad, tough times. I remember my wife when it happened. She was just sitting at table going, Why? 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 And I had to calm her down, but what can you say to the woman? We had to let at least six of our 18 slaves go. Imagine having to tell your wife that. It was was just heartbreaking. And how did it affect you personally? Well, your whole lifestyle is just turned upside down, you know. You're used to certain things and then you just can't do them anymore. Like what? Well, let me think, um, I, okay, here's one. I would buy a new Ferrari every month, every month. And after the change, you know, I could only buy three or four a year. What were these problems that were felt across professional football? Oh, I lied. I knew players who just, they just couldn't take it, unfortunately. They're not with us no more, and that's because of this draconian rule that they put in place. Did it ever get so bad that you thought that might be an option for you? I won't lie to you, I won't lie to you. I have to admit that. I did, yeah, I did. It's all right, take your time. 
After that, we had to call a halt to the interview. He was too upset to continue. But the tale of Alf Tiddlepud should come as a cautionary one for members of the general public who want decency and fairness from professional sports organisations in their lust for slightly cheaper ticket prices, which they'll only spend on beer and fast food anyway. They overlook the people who are the real victims, the men and women like Alf Tiddlepud. For Global News, I'm Troy Harder. A tragic tale indeed. We're receiving some breaking news here. The lead singer of Maroon 5 has been released from prison after 48 years on the strict instruction that he never make any more music. We'll have full coverage of that after the break. For Global News, I'm Bob Torpedo. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.